His name is Kane, a deformed clone of Peter Parker, the man best known as the Amazing Spider-Man. He's struggling to find his way throughout the mean streets of Houston, Texas. We now join our hero as he must take on one of the most powerful mutants on the planet, Wolverine. Can the two work together, or they both end up in the gutter? He may not think himself a hero, but he still knows a thing or two about power and responsibility, for he is the Scarlet Spider. I want to thank Samuel Savage. He's been our guy that's been doing our uh, graphics for both Clone Saga Chronicles and Spectacular Radio. He's been our graphics guy, and I want to thank him for doing all that. But he's also going to start doing our uh, little bumper previews of each episode. So I wanted to uh, give him a shout-out before we started episode 37. Yes, Wolverine versus Kane. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? Clones. I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. But the next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Welcome back to episode 37 of Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast. I am Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host and webmaster of the show. And I am joined by my co-host of the Spectacular Radio Podcast, Mr. Greg Pashansky. Salutations. And uh, also on the sh- on that show of Spectacular Radio is Mr. Gerard Del Tour. The higher Gerard? the monkey climbs, the more is exposed. Oh dear. Sorry, I'm just remembering more things that my military science teacher told me in high school that made no sense. Science! No, no, military science, you say. Military science! <laughs> Which, is that a pseudoscience? I don't even know what you, what you would call it. Donovan's not here, and Donovan stole that from Dr. Insano anyway. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to be covering three issues of the, Scarlet, of the 2013 Scarlet Spider title, issues 17, 18, and 19. The Wrath storyline. Is it Wraith or Wrath? Wrath. 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 Also, okay. I'm pushing my glasses up my nose and like, well, technically it's the 2012 Scarlet Spider title. These all were released in 2013. But so the series debuted in 2012. Shut up! <laughs> In 2013, there were three issues that came out of Scroll Spider. Uh, they are, I've affectionately referred to them as the Wolverine arc or Snicked, but that's actually not the name of the arc. It's Wrath, uh, parts one, two, and three. So, 
Um, before we uh, get started, we've got some emails and some uh, and, and stuff that we're going to cover with the main gang uh, next episode. So we do appreciate that. We I know you guys have sent those in to us on clonesigerchronicles@gmail.com, but uh, I wanted to kind of get that with like uh, Josh and Don. So next next episode, we'll definitely be answering your voicemails and emails. So anyway, with that out of the way. Here we go. We got a rundown. I'm going to do one rundown. Gerard's going to do two rundowns. Gerard's going <laughs> to. Even though, logi- even though logically there are three people on this podcast and three issues that we're covering, one of them is a prima donna. Uh, he doesn't do recaps. <laughs> I'll do a recap next time, especially since we won't be getting Gerard's rage. You know yeah. what? If I show up on that on that podcast, you better do all the recaps <laughs> <laughs> because because my 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 recaps for those issues would just be like a combination of white noise and like you know in horror movies where you have that weird thing where you always have like some child whispering something in the like in like the ambient noise like yeah it'd be something like that that would be my recap that's why I want you there. The only person that's going to be entertained by that recap is, is you, Greg. I mean, honestly. <laughs> Let that serve as a tease for you people. If you ever want to hear somebody have a brain aneurysm in the middle of a podcast, tune into the next episode where we cover Scarlet Spider issues. Actually, no, we're not going to be covering Scarlet Spider issues next episode. We're going I know, I said the next episode in which we cover Scarlet Spider issues. Zach, learn to grammar. Okay. Ne- yes. Next time, the jackal diddles them. So... Gerard, give us the recap of issue 17 of Scarlet Spider. Issue Scarlet Spider number 17, or as it's known on the inside of the book, Wrath Part 1, which is written by Chris Yost, penciled by Carlo Barberi, who I haven't seen in a while, uh, inked by Walden Wong, and colored by Rex Locus, who I actually had to look up, because I for a second I thought that was a fake name. Alan Smithy, like somebody was ashamed to work on this book, but no, he's actually a guy who does a lot of the DC digital comic stuff. Sounds like the name of a supervillain, Rex Locus. I know, that's why I thought it was a fake name. Like, that's ah, not a real name. Um, yes. uh, I should probably flip my notes over because of the recaps on the back, of not in the front. Okay, we begin in the Park Plaza Hospital in Houston, where a victim is rolled in with multiple GSWs, which the editor's note tells us means uh, gun show wounds, which is either a typo or a really lousy attempt at political commentary. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Dr. Meelan pulls a Super Bowl from the poor guy on the table, and which has Kane's name scrawled on it for some reason. Later, at Brennan's restaurant, uh, 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 Kane pays a visit to Belladonna, thanks to the note, who they somehow figured out is from her, who finally gets around to giving him the assignment they agreed to at the end of their previous encounter in brackets, insert issue here. I, I didn't have time to look it up. What issue was that again? Zach. Zach. You're the one who usually knows this stuff, Zach. I need... Um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. the... the. Gosh, I'm, trying, I'm having to do this completely off memory. Uh... Issue, the first year... Issue 9, maybe? Somewhere around there? I... It was a one-shot, wasn't it? I don't remember. It was... It, it, whatever... No, it was what? issue 6. It was issue... Remember, it was issue 6. Now, issue six, because, he gets almost gets bitch slapped by uh, Craven's daughter. Whatever, who cares? Not that important. Aren't we prepared? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, in, in the previous issue, you know, you know what happened. Uh, 
Cain got a bunch of assassins to come after him, and it was part of the agreement for them to stop coming after him. He agreed that he would kill somebody for them, you know, on contract. So she finally gets around to telling him who it is. She orders him to kill Wolverine because he had a movie coming out that summer, and they needed to get him. <laughs> Plus, the book's numbers weren't doing too well, so they probably wanted to boost his sales, and that's what Wolverine is for. Exactly. Um, but you think that'll start backfiring after a while? Oh, wait, it has. Uh, he returns home to pack for his trip, and for some reason, he's bringing Araceli along, complete with a passport, even though it's a domestic flight and she wouldn't require a passport. Uh, they stake out the Dream Gray School for Higher Learning when they get to Westchester, working in a little juju scam to have Araceli, who's wearing a really ugly costume and calling herself Hummingbird, enter the mansion. She works for magic as they infiltrate. She, you know, just walking around mind fudging people in order to have them just stop paying attention. And Kane's coming, following along in the uh, stealth mode of the suit that he's wearing because don't forget, Kane is wearing the the Spider Tron suit. He just makes it look like the suit that he wears, except that in this issue, for some reason, he has it looking like the Tron suit. No explanation given. Uh, they start infiltrating, but she goes haywire when she encounters Rachel Gray, blowing their cover and leading to a protracted fight between Kane, Beast, and Iceman. Wolverine finally arrives, because he took time to put on his costume for no apparent reason, and they fight. After exchanging a few slashes, Kane stabs Wolverine in the heart and splits it in half! Holy shamoli! To be continued next issue. So, alright, I'm gonna go around the horn with, uh, with thoughts, and I'm gonna start with Greg on issue 17. Well, before we get started, I just it reminded me why I never why I haven't picked up an X Men comic since the nineties. I just don't know who anybody is anymore. Why is this a Jean Grey school? What what the hell is going on? Who are all these people? What are their powers? Okay, so uh, I'll kind of give you a, a bit of a back for what I kind of know from the internet and, and actually stuff I've read. Um, all right, so uh, Schism was a storyline that was. Uh, running through the X-Men books, where basically Wolverine had his team and Cyclops had his team. This is all pre-Avengers versus Avengers versus X-Men. Uh, during that time, Wolverine had the school in Westchester, and he renamed it the Jean Grey School for uh, Institute for Higher Learning in honor of Jean Grey, which is kind of a big, giant middle finger to Scott Summers. Um... Now, the reason why Beast looks the way he does is because he had a mutation in all new X-Men. Uh, he mutated again shortly after bringing back the Kirby Lee era X-Men to the present day. So, uh, so at this point... So what is he supposed to be now? Because first he was an ape beast, then he was a cat beast. Is he supposed to be anything in particular? Or is a beast. True? He's just a beast. He's more of a hybrid. You know what? Disney owns him. Just turn him into the Beast from Beauty and the Beast and be done with it. Oh, my God. I would read that. Then you, uh, can, anyway. then you can bring in the blind girl from the animated series. What was her name? Carly? You could just have her be Belle. Yeah, the episode was called Beauty and the Beast, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> so It writes itself. Get on that, Marvel, whoever you are. But yeah, that's uh, and Storms at is with uh, is with is with Wolverine at the at the Jean Grey school. So that's kind of a that kind of gives you uh, does that catch everybody up now? Does yeah. that kind of get you? All right, kind of. I mean, 
So, so wait, I, I don't understand. Why is the young Jean Grey there, but not the other ones? Um, I think the other ones were out. I, I, I can't really explain why the other ones weren't there. I don't remember. But, but, are, they, but that, are they normally at that school? Normally, at this point in time, yes. Okay. But that actually that actually changed with the uh, with the uh, what was the event? So basically, time travel events and mutant civil war. Yeah, mm-hmm. mutant civil war, time travel events, and then they eventually like uh, now they're actually based out of Weapon X. What? Because the Jean Grey's yeah. Yeah, because Who's writing Jean Grey's, this? Is it Bendis? <laughs> it's Bendis. Or, or I'm sorry, is it Bendis or one of his associated ghost writers that writes under the name Bendis? <laughs> it's Bendis, yes. Yeah, and um, Belladonna, she was the one from... She was Gambit's ex-wife. I think I remember her from the uh, cartoon show back in the 90s. She was in one mm-hmm. episode. Okay, yeah, like I said, this is just... Um, it's yeah, Belladonna. I mean, she did make the appearance, and I'm trying to look it up just to see which appearance, which issue that I mean, she made. This this arc so far in this issue reminded me, of, except it reminded me of why I stopped reading these oh, gosh. comics. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, the Assassins Guild was in the fourth issue of Scarlet Spider, so this is like literally a almost little over a year later now that we're getting this payoff to the subplot. Okay, so this issue it was issue four. four. Wow, it was even yeah, it was earlier all, than I thought. Yeah, it was it was a segment drawn issue. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, I wasn't on the show yet. <laughs> exactly. So that's why Greg gave the pass. Now, me and Gerard, on the other hand, we actually don't. Well, I mean, my my brain is is hash browns. <laughs> like, like, you know, you know, I have a lousy memory. So. Yeah. But um, let's see. And um, Araceli. I mean. Normally, I hate characters like that, but I don't know. I find her a little bit charming. I, she's actually likable, despite being very annoying at the same time, which makes her the opposite of most Brand New Day characters. Oh, yeah, there's our first Brand New Day reference. Of the, yeah, I apologize. I apologize. Take, take your drink, people. Remember the ongoing drinking yeah. game we have? Yeah, I apologize. Yeah. I'm not going to overdo it, but um, I mean, it's just... And definitely more likable than, say, Arania, which that was for you, Gerard. <laughs> You've redeemed yourself, my friend. <laughs> I, when, you know, when, you, when you get home tonight, there'll be an extra uh, story added onto your house. I love that Simpsons episode, Scorpio. But anyway, um, I thought the action sequences were good, even though I don't particularly care for this artist much. I mean, he... Is this artist... Okay, okay, Gerard. Remember how we called yes. uh, um, Koi Fan the poor man's Ron Garney? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who this, uh, whose artist this r- reminds me of, and it's the poor man's koi I, fan. <laughs> I don't even. No, no, it's not koi fam. It's it's like it's like a. I know it's not. I just said he's a poor man's koi fam. No. <laughs> no one is a poor man's koi fam. Yeah, no, I'm being mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> the poor man's koi fam would be truly destitute. Oh, oh, okay. Mark Brooks. This really reminds. There's there's certain. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, because like especially in in issue eight eighteen that I'm looking at right at this moment, it's like eight eighteen. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes! Nice. I said issue eighteen. Oh, yeah. Like I said Aracel is fun, and I will admit, I kind of, I, and I know New York isn't every Marvel comic book comic, but considering we've seen all of Kane's reactions to living in Houston, I kind of would have liked to have seen Araceli's react reactions to New York a little bit more. I mean, yeah, we had one page, but um, it's a big culture shift between. 
Houston, Texas, and New York City. And um, Kane's what are you trying to say, asshole? He's trying to say that, as everyone knows, New Yorkers are morally superior to to the people from Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll so go. We'll, 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 we'll go with that. We'll Steaming pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> also, we are the pace of life here is much much faster than the usual. We'll, we'll just take three hours to walk down this block because we're mentally as slow as molasses, people of Texas. <laughs> I, you can't see me right now, but I'm giving you the giant finger. We've got here the People's <laughs> Republic of New York versus Texas Arabia. <laughs> Texas Arabia? Because you guys what? have oil. That's why. Oh, that's oil, okay. and, oil and religion. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, oil and religion. Yeah, that, that's actually kind of a fair statement. I, I, I can't really disagree with that. Yeah, but anyway, you just you just can't you just you guys from New York just can't fully grasp and understand the awesomeness of Texas until you actually experience the awesomeness. I've of Texas. been to Texas <laughs> several times. <laughs> Ergo, it sucks. But anyway, like I said, oh, and by the way, Kane, while you're here, take Araceli to John's on Bleecker Street. That pizza is fantastic. <laughs> but um, and it, but um, so yeah, I mean, it's just the episode. I mean, the issue just seems a bit of a cluster at times, I'm, and I'm thinking, do we really need to cross over with Wolverine? I mean, I know why he's in this book. We just made that joke earlier in the episode, but... I mean, uh, this wasn't needed, and I would have preferred to see, to see this time so far devoted to developing Kane's world, Kane's rogues gallery. Especially since he just came back from the dead. I mean, I know that this is a... Uh, this book is a love letter to the 90s, but does it need to be a love letter to the 90s X-Men also? I mean, I mean, does anyone care about Belladonna? No. I don't even think no, I mean, I mean, care about Belladonna. I mean, look... I Damn it, this was, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, was, this, was the, this was the story that was trying to pay off that, that subplot. Again, we've mentioned this, and we talked about this before, but... One of the problems with the book is that you you have all these subplots that were strung about really through the first six issues, and there was a good chunk of them and they, going into the second year that really weren't even paid off. I mean, it's 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 kind of frustrating. Yeah. I, I get that you're trying to have a slow burn, and I you know obviously who's the one person? I mean, Belladonna is an X Men villain as. Who's the one person you literally can't kill? It's an it's, a, it's an impossible mission. Yeah, you know, I, I the Wolverine angle makes sense even organically as a story. And I know you two disagree with me on that, but I think out of everybody in the world to pick Kane to kill, why not Wolverine? Fair enough. I just wish it was executed a little bit better, but I'll talk about that more when we review the third part of this book. But um. Yeah. I mean, I mean. That being said, it wasn't horrible. I'll, I mean, I mean, there were parts of it that, that were enjoyable. I mean, like I said, the action sequences were good, and I did like seeing Wolverine get impaled through the heart. And I don't hate Wolverine. I'm not a Wolverine hater. I enjoy the character in in small doses. I mean, like I said, even though we know when you read this, you just know, like I said, he's going Norman Osborn his heart back to life. Yeah, I mean, it's it, <laughs> you know what's going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the the whole Wolverine can't die thing is kind of just a yeah. civil war made that into it. Yeah, I was just gonna say him regenerating from a single cell is, is like the ultimate. Like <laughs> once you once you once you pulled that 
cat out of the bag. It can it can never be returned. Yeah, exactly. Except apparently he's going to die in September. So uh, because comic book deaths are very permanent. I know, right? Peter Parker. Frederick Foswell. <laughs> Sorry. Who's Frederick Monkey Fos- Barnes. Oh, wait. Yeah. Who's Frederick Foswell? Listen to Spectacular Radio to find out. Oh, good plug. All right, uh, I'll give my thought. Greg, are you done with your yes, thoughts? Yes, I am. I give the issue. I'll give it a B minus. B minus. All right, uh, I'm going to give my thoughts right quick. I, I'm going to give this a B. No, I'm going to give it a C plus. It really wasn't a great issue, and the artwork to me was very mediocre. And I was really not excited to have once again another artist on this book. Uh, he was actually supposed to be the ongoing artist, and I think he only lasted uh, maybe a couple of more issues after this arc. Um, so I just Carlo, Carlo, but Barry. Uh, so yeah, I, I just. I wasn't a big fan of the artwork. Uh, Araceli was fine. She was fun. She was funky. Mm-hmm. She's Araceli. Yeah. That's what Araceli is. And, yeah, if you don't like Araceli, well, this is not the... You definitely don't want to read this book, and you definitely don't want to read New Wars. Honestly... <laughs> That's why I'm not. Um, honestly, this is like the... You know, doing this now in the future, from when it came out, this is what? definitely the pilot. Doing this now in the future when it came out? Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> future events taking place in the future. All right. Because that is having, where we will live. Having the beauty of hindsight, you know, being further down the road with the, with now New Warriors, this is definitely the pilot to basically setting up New Warriors because these two characters are predominantly featured in that, in that, in that book. So, um... You know, it's kind of a like I said. I, I like the way that they they tied up, they're tying up the Belladonna subplot, in that you're but bringing in Wolverine, just kind of feels it, it. It does feel very. We complained about this a lot, especially with issue five and how the Iron Man Avengers uh, tie-in that was just so loosely done that it was laughable. Mm-hmm. Um, this issue is better because it's 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 more organic, um, but again, it just wasn't a great issue to me, and I, I didn't. After issue sixteen, it's definitely a giant colossal letdown. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give this a C, C plus. <laughs> Make up your mind, Joiner. C plus. Can I change my grade too? I'm kidding. I will just leave it as a B minus. <laughs> uh, your turn. Um, I'll I'll say this is a pro in its favor. It's trying to at least finally pick up the plot line with the Assassin's Guild, and I think that I, I'm I'm a little, this is gonna surprise people because I'm usually the opposite when it comes to artists. I actually generally like Carlo Barberi as an artist, outside of the fact that he draws all his female characters with heads that are shaped like pizzas. <laughs> you ever notice that? Like he draws them with wide foreheads, and the heads just taper downward. I can't unsee it now. <laughs> but, but like he doesn't, he doesn't draw male characters with this weird tapering head problem. I can't quite get it. But uh, yeah, the main problems I had with this issue really were just the way it was written. I thought the script was very annoying. Uh, 
I, I didn't like the Araceli is a in a costume as a superhero angle, which is done here for a specific reason. But the fact that it ends up sticking because you know New Warriors, I don't know that. Of all the character directions they could have taken the character, that's one of the least interesting. And I'm kind of they shouldn't have gone there, in my opinion. Is it just me or does her costume look like she should be an agent of that organization that's in that movie that's out right now? <laughs> I'm glad you didn't just yell out, yell it out because well yeah we're talking about Hydra. <laughs> yeah, don't say hail Hydra to me right now because <laughs> just don't. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I thought Kane took down the various X Men he fought far too easily in this issue. I know what they were going for. I get the idea, which is that he's supposed to be like you know. Hey, look how, you know, he's, he's there to kill Wolverine, he's a badass yeah, hey, fighter. Hey, so. hey, hey, Gerard, 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 Gerard. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to avoid it. You can almost hear me slowing down because I knew this was going to happen, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> Remember that time when uh, Spider-Man kicked the X-Men's ass? <laughs> that's staying in. Yes, it is. <laughs> because I was preparing to make that joke, too. What the... I was also <laughs> come on, it was too obvious. But but yeah, but seriously though, he he does really take them down far too easily, and then he kills Wolverine in a couple of pages. Obviously, it's a BS death. We know Wolverine's not going to stay dead. Come on, he's not. Gonna, they're not going to kill off Wolverine in a guest appearance in a failing Spider-Man title or side title or whatever. But ballsy if they did. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of. I can't remember which two issues it is, but somewhere in the middle of the Dark Phoenix saga, they all get caught by the uh, by the Hellfire Club, and they're all like, you know, Cyclops got that weird ruby quartz helmet, which is one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen in a comic. And they're all like, you know, in chains and stuff. And, the, you know, she, Jean Grey's mind-warping him or whatever, and he just falls down, and the last panel of the page, or the last panel of the comic, is Nightcrawler yelling out, Oh no, Cyclops is dead! And then the very first page of the next issue is, is Nightcrawler yelling out, Hey, look, Cyclops is alive! I felt like the same exact thing was happening here. <laughs> Where, like, the last the last page is like, Oh, no, Wolverine's dead! And the very first page of the next issue would just be, Hey, look, Wolverine's alive! Because, it, I mean, like, you can almost... They telegraph, but it's this dumb, but whatever. But, uh... Yeah, generally speaking, I was alright with it. It wasn't too bad. I would say, uh, C. Okay. C. All right. Let's All right. move on to the next issue where Wolverine, Norman Osborn, his way back to life, and I'm not making that joke anymore. Spoiler alert! <laughs> okay. All right. So, issue 18 of Scarlet Spider. Uh, Wrath, part two, written by Chris Yost, Carlo Barberi, with Ali... Is it Ali Garza? Yes. On the pencils, Walden Wong on the inks, Rex Locus on the colors, and uh, Stegman and Delgado did the cover. Rex Locus is going to conquer the world. Keep an eye on that on that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So, can, can, can I interrupt really quick? Yes. Sure. Because you just mentioned that Stegman and Delgado did the covers. How lazy are the covers for these issues? Yeah, they're not they're not great at all. No, I, I don't think any of them have backgrounds. <laughs> they're usually just Kane just in, in the Tron suit, just kicking somebody here. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, 
It's not. It's not Stegman's best work. Stegman does done some really great covers for this series. These aren't. These aren't his best. Especially the one for nineteen, which I just call the fake Frank Miller cover. <laughs> fake Frank Miller cover. Okay. So uh, we are. We pick up right where our last issue left off at the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning in Westchester, New York. Yep. And uh, this is at the point where <laughs> Wolverine flatlines. Outside the Belladonna's kill squads are ready, are taking the vitals and everything like that. And of course, Kane is pretty much pissed off to all the X Men. Yep. So the X Men begin attacking Kane before, before, as Greg aptly put it, what did Greg? Greg, what did he do? <laughs> he Norman Osborns his way back to life. And so after Norman Osborning his way back to life, he then attacks Kane. As uh, and, and literally just punches the living crap out of Kane and knocks him out. Needless to say, uh, wait. <laughs> needless I, I, to say, I, needless to say, this this leads into some later issue uh, that he'll be back in twenty four hours, and Wolverine's going to go take care of some business. <clears throat> we then cut back to New Orleans where the Assassin's Guild has another one of its victims right right ready to be shot in the head like on a silver platter. Belladonna then kills, kills said guy, and yeah. Don't know why this scene was really in the issue, but... It's a stall anyway. for time. It's just, a, it's just a page filler. Sorry. They, 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 they need to get three issues out of this, Nick. <laughs> exactly. You don't actually expect them uh, to write three issues worth of story, do you? <laughs> All right, so we can come back to the Jean Grey. We cut back to the Jean Grey school where not Ape Beast and not Cat Beast is taking care of business, looking at the various at various pieces of a, of a human brain. This is at the point where Araceli begins asking a bunch of questions to the various students of the Jean Grey school. Everybody then finds out that well. Uh, Araceli is not a mutant, so this actually eliminates one of the possibilities of what she is. She's actually human, according to her DNA, and uh, really entertaining scene, but yeah. Uh, You're not a mutant. You can't come to this school. <laughs> well, we also, also another hint of as to what's going on with Araceli. Uh, Beast actually says that he doesn't think that the that she, a.k.a. Araceli, is the only person inhabiting Araceli's body. Got that straight? Yeah. Yeah. There's a giant red dot on the screen where, on the picture of her brain, but they never yeah. straight up say what that is. Yeah. We then come back to New Orleans, where a bunch of members of the Assassins Guild are uh, standing watch before they get s- stabbed in the chest, invisible style. Yep. We actually know what's going on because at this point, Kane is actually told. Wolverine, the uh, what's going on? Why? Why? What's? Why he's being attacked and by Kane and everything like that? So covertly, the duo take out <laughs> pretty much all of the Assassins Guild's guards, and yeah, doesn't really end well. So a uh, really badass scene with with Kane and Scarlet Spider. Really, really love that that splash page where they're <laughs> they're like. Where Kane asks, "So how many do you think do you think there are coming?" 
And Wolverine says, huh, enough. <laughs> so a battle ensues that goes on for several pages. And uh, my favorite turn of phrase of describing Wolverine, the angry midget ninja. <clears throat> tune, made me laugh. tune in later this year for Anna Maria Marconi's spinoff comic. Oh, dear. So, uh, the Assassin's, the, the Assassin's Guild shows up, and, yep, the same Assassin's Guild group of Assassins that showed up in the, in the pre, back in issue four of Scarlet Spider, uh, before it's stopped by Belladonna. Kane then sneaks up on Belladonna and pretty much holds her hostage while the Red Death comes for them all! That's right. That's how the issue ends. To be concluded! Dun dun dun. Alright, <laughs> so, going around the horn, we're going to start with Greg once again. Give us your grade thoughts. Does Belladonna look like she's six years old in this issue, or is it just me? <laughs> yeah, right at the end when the artists change. It's not just you. She looks like a she looks like a really stacked six year old, which is kinda of weird. Hey there, little red riding hood. <laughs> she does have very midgety proportions yeah. though. Something funny's going on with that art. Yeah, this issue I did not like it anywhere near as much as the last one and they make a big deal Hey, it's the Red Death. What the hell is the Red Death? Is this something else I have missed from nineties X Men? Yes, as we'll learn next issue. But um I did like that splash page, I agree, and um I kinda like Aristelli annoying the X Men because the way the, the X Men have been written since the nineties annoys me, so turn about a fair play, muties. That was my favorite scene of the issue. Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> I and um yeah, Angry Midget Ninja. I like that line a lot and this is one of those things where it's what's so frustrating about this book is that Yost is a great writer. I know this. I've seen his other works. I've seen the early issues of this book. I've seen Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I like his work a lot, and I feel like I should be liking this book a lot more than I than I do. And I mean, I, I'm at a point where I'm not reading this book at all for the plot. I'm reading it because I like the character of Kane. Mm-hmm. But, that's the only reason. That's the only reason I stuck around as long as I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the action sequences are great, but not much really happens in this issue except a bunch of 90s X-Men BS with Kane in the middle of it. And, yeah, I really don't like that Spider-Tron costume either, and I'm going to give this a D plus, C minus. I mean, I'll give it a C minus. I mean, it's not outright awful, but there's just nothing in here I particularly like. Gerard? Uh, I have to mostly just sort of parrot what he said. Um, again, I think I'm a little higher on the artist than you guys are, but really he doesn't have much of a script to work with. I mean, or they, because there's two pencilers on this issue, I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, it's solid, unspectacular artwork, um, but it's in service of a, just a really badly written story that somewhere in the first quarter just stops being a Scarlet Spider story and just completely turns into an X-Men story. And I think that's the biggest problem with this arc as a whole is that about halfway through, Scarlet Spider just becomes completely superfluous to it, much like, uh, what the hell was that, Minimum Carnage, 
mm-hmm. where it just stopped being a story that needed to have the Scarlet Spider in it. Which, again, just makes me look at this and say, well, was this an astonishing Spider-Man inventory story that they dusted off and turned into a Scarlet Spider story? I don't know. I, the problem with this issue is that it's, it's part two of a three-part story. <laughs> that, but, but that never used to be a problem. Nope. You see, like, I, I mean, I just, re- I just referenced the, uh, you know, the Dark Phoenix saga in, uh, in the last issue's reviews. That was an eight-part story. There's more happening in each part of that story than there is in this entire arc. I'm going to say something. There are middle issues of Maximum Carnage that are better than this. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> oh, holy shit! That, that's no, okay. No, that's no. a that's a that's a bomb right there. You better you better explain yourself, boy. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? No, you can't. No, no, no. I'll say no, 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 no. There are issues with maximum carnage where more happens. I'll, that's that's no argument there. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. And they're, and they're overall more entertaining, even though I hate that story. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say this. this is a hard issue to talk about because really the only thing that happens is the action moves from the expansion to New to New Orleans. And Dust look, off your I hands. Mean, that's the recap. I mean, I, mean, a lot of time. I mean, at least uh, Carn. I mean, at least Fire start nearly murdering Carnage before Spidey pushes out and tells her to stop. It's something that happens. <laughs> well, okay, okay, we're being a little unfair because they do unveil the Red Death. That's true, the Red Death. Ooh. And we all remember her, right? <laughs> From previous Kane stories. Was she that thing in that one Gambit episode of the 90s X-Men cartoon that they... No. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about, and no. First of all, that woman was black. Right. <laughs> so that's supposed to be the same character. I haven't, seen it, I haven't seen that episode in 20 years. I'm sorry. <laughs> God, it's been 20 years, and that makes me feel so damn old. <laughs> that show debuted 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Uh, well, speaking of 20 years ago, we're going to have something to run out to the end of this episode. Really? Because that's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, well, I guess I'll find out. Um, you already... I'm going to slap you upside the head. <laughs> well, I didn't know you were going to say anything about it. I think I well, know I'm what you're talking about. It. Okay, okay. Well, because we know you're good at that. <laughs> How long were you teasing that, that call-in show before it finally happened? Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Listeners, don't you love us? <laughs> This show is being held together by duct tape. By the end of it, we'll be just be yelling at each other, like, all surly and shit. To be fair, it's about as well-prepared as the story is. That's true. Um, re- but really, though, th- this makes no sense. So I-, I-, I can't in good conscience give this even a mediocre grade. This is getting a D+. Plus. D+. Plus. All right. I'm going to give this issue, and I, I kind of you can kind of hear my, most of my thoughts with my recap, but... I'm going to give it a C minus because it really it does okay, but it I mean the way the art style is and this was the, that splash page that I talked about in the issue that's just straight up looks like Mark Brooks to me the way it's the way it's inked the way it's laid out that just looks like Mark Brooks. So the artwork to me was a little bit better this issue than the last issue. I don't know what it was about last issue that I didn't like. Um, until the last two pages, and wow, um, I'm pretty sure they were up against a deadline, and they needed 
you know, they needed pages really quickly. But they just look at the proportions of the Red Death. It just, ugh. Yep. <laughs> yep. There's no other script for that. The only the only good thing about the about the issue is I like the little <clears throat> the little sub sub uh, panel with close up on the scroll of Spider's eyes, and I'm like, okay, that works. I like that particular, that little spot. I'm like, okay, I like that. The thing you like about this issue is a tiny panel. Exactly. <laughs> hey, we're at the point where you need to look for any redeeming qualities you can find. Um, yeah. I just, the way the issue's drawn, the way, yeah. I mean, it's better, but there's, I mean, you guys brought up Belladonna. She does look like a, she just has midget proportions, and it's just not very fun. Um, I like Kane's inner inner monologue in this issue. That's and always I the best that, part of this book. The the best part of the book consistently is is the character of Kane, but it just seems like there's far too many times where the character of Kane is superfluous to the actual book. So, um, but again, it's also the part two of a three part story in modern times that really doesn't matter. So, all right, C minus. Gerard, we go back to you for the recap of issue 18 and finally going to wrap this thing up. Yeah, this is going to be one of my shortest recaps of all time. <laughs> because, <laughs> because realistically, I mean, I'm trying, man. I'm trying to figure out what the hell happened. <laughs> I just read it today and I don't know what the hell happened either. I mean, I've read this issue several times and... I don't know <laughs> what's happening. I'll give it my best, but I'm not even exaggerating. I'll, I, I, maybe I'll take a picture of this and show you guys later. My my recap for this is about a paragraph long. So, uh, Scarlet Spider number nineteen, or is this, again, as it says on the inside, Wrath Part Three. Check out this list of people that brought you this this gem. <laughs> it was written by Chris Yost and Eric Burnham. And Zach, you could probably explain who that is. <laughs> Eric Burnham is the is the guy that would actually frequently uh, fill in on Scarlet Spider. This is, I think, his first credited um, appearance as co-writer. He do, he would do the scripts over um, Yost Plots, and he actually does have an interesting backstory. He was once the moderator for the comic boards over on uh, Alvaro's comic boards at you can still go to the, their message board, although it's a giant wasteland ghost town. But <clears throat> you can go to the Alvaro boards. Uh, just look up the, the Spider-Man message board. So wait, 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 wait. I've been trying to break into the industry for years. All I have to do is moderate an official forum. Well, it wasn't an official forum, but for a long time it was. The, it was the forum to go to. I mean, if it, if it, if you wanted to go. Uh, there was a lot of creators that used to stop by there. It was it was probably the from probably ninety eight to two thousand four. It probably was definitely the biggest. Uh, hey, Chris, biggest if you're listening, I'll script your New Warriors comic for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let that be a lesson to you, kids. When people tell you that the arguing on the internet gets you nowhere, just remember that one day. Maybe you can understudy a lazy and disinterested writer when he gives up on his own story. Is this around the time Chris Yost is writing Thor 2? 
probably. <laughs> because if I was writing Thor 2, I'd be like, the hell with this comic that I'm writing. <laughs> I'm going to finish Thor 2. Um, which also was crap. Oh, no, that doesn't really work either, does it? Um, <laughs> so you got two writers. It was penciled by Carlo Barberi. And you might say, oh, just one penciler? But wait, <laughs> there's an asterisk on that. Yeah, uh, it was inked by Wong, Palo, and Bit, whoever those guys are. I didn't bother to look up their first names again, but they've done previous issues. Uh, colored by the the supervillain Locus, and also uh, Chris Sotomayor and Antonio Fabella. So, so Sotomayor has done a lot of work with uh, with the Spidey offices. But go on. Yeah, yeah. So you're with me so far. We have two writers, one penciler, three inkers, and three colorists, plus a very vague credit. It says Horacio Dominguez did additional art. <laughs> Which I spotted a change in penciler, so I know that he was penciling, probably inking his own stuff. Who knows? Wacker, There's... how could you let this happen? <laughs> no, this wasn't Wacker, this was Tom Brennan. Right, right, oh yeah, senior editor, I see, yeah. It took ten people <laughs> to do the job of usually what four people do. <sighs> Normally, I would blame unions for this kind of thing, but anyway. Uh, Zach does. <laughs> we begin where we where the last issue ended. In New Orleans. <laughs> Orleans! Stinking, stinky, rotten, boning, vile New Orleans. I'm um, going to beat you in a second. We'll go on. <laughs> you my, that's, that's, like, that's my home away from home. Don't tell me you've never seen that episode of The Simpsons with the streetcar musical. Remember when I told you I didn't watch The Simpsons? <laughs> New Orleans, home of drugs, <laughs> pirates, drugs, and whores. New Orleans. Okay, yeah, that's actually not that tacky, overpriced souvenir stores. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm just trying to stall because none of this makes sense. Uh, the Red Death, as continuing from last issue, is she has Kane and Wolverine in her clutches, and is, by the way, is rocking some spectacular camel toe. <laughs> Not for the kids. Uh, she begins to helpfully recap some of her backstory before returning to the usual uh, pattern of villainous boasting. However, she's cut off by Kane, who summons a spider to distract her. Yes, that happens. Uh, it lands on the scabby part of her face, so I can only assume that it's horrifyingly painful because she starts screaming. And also, if somebody's ever poked you in a spot where you even got mildly burned, you know it hurts like hell. Uh, a big honking fight ensues, and this is where I just give up because what the hell is even happening? There's there's some uh, you know people getting stabbed and gunfire and this acid at some point. I'm just like, well, why is her face all green and like melty and stuff? But suffice to say, at the end of the of all of this fiasco, if you could somehow piece together who's even fighting at some point with bullets being stopped and necks being snapped and people being chopped in half by swords, people getting impaled through the chest from behind and have spikes coming out, you got a little girl with her teddy bear trying to mind juju people, and then the artist randomly changes, and everybody, starts, and everybody starts looking a little off-model, and then, well... The Red Death is killed, and she sort of, uh, you know, melts into mummified state, as people who are really damn old tend to do when they die in comics and movies and stuff. And, uh, you know, Belladonna, having been defeated, sort of, like, you know, has her assassins surrounding Cain and Wolverine, and basically orders them to go, you know what, finish them off. But the, uh, the suited arranger fellow, who, as you may recall... Well, I don't recall. Who the hell is this guy again? 
Uh, he is the... Uh, he's the, the, he's the Kingpin the stand-in guy, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he looks like Matt Murdock, which makes it very confusing. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just shows up in New Orleans, which I could swear he was supposed to be in Houston, right? Well, he's in the South doing doing very. Oh, in the South, it's all the same. It's all the same. Like, I mean, I mean, Houston, Houston's only a couple hours away from New Orleans. It is actually feasible for him to make that trip. Yeah, I've made the drive before. <laughs> I really have. Uh, right, and then you know, you know, they're taken away, and you know, Wolverine smacks Kane just for no apparent reason because he's you know he's Wolverine, he's a badass, you and they fly back. Hmm? You flaming what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, he calls. <laughs> yeah, they have so they have some very strange uh, repartee there at the end, and then Wolverine decides I'm gonna fly home now, and I hope he drops Kane off. But he can't really because he has to fly back to the mansion because Araceli is there. And the point is, they do a lot of air travel that we never end up seeing because they just fly off into the moonlight. Did this book even need to take place in New Orleans? Oh yeah, just have the have the red death. But hey, hey, remember how we said that this that 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 you know subplot from issue twelve was never resolved? Yeah. Are you saying this is where it, this is where it's resolved? Yay. <laughs> and I, totally I read that story that. by then, so I obviously didn't remember this too well. Yeah. Yeah, they they fly off into the moonlight and the issue ends, and I assume as soon as the camera cut away, they probably just had sex. I mean, <laughs> all the tension between the two of them, and they're alone on the plane. I mean, why not? Well, Kane does get diddled next issue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I have to say, though, the, 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 final, the final page is, is kind of hilarious. He's like, so it's finished. Yep, our, and our foe Spider-Man got him with me. Got him with me against my better judgment. Excellent. I truly look forward to nothing more than returning this young Miss Araceli to its custody. She rubbed you the wrong way or something, McCoy? No, it, it's not that. It's and then freaking Araceli's like, is that a radio, Doctor Beast? Are you talking to Kane? Hi, Kane. Look, was New Orleans great? Did you go to? Did you get some gumbo? Was it Mardi Gras? Did you, Logan? Please hurry. I mean, that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. I like that. that. That's a very... Because, I mean, she is like a six-year-old or like... Not a six-year-old. She's like, what, 15? So... Her age is very inconsistent. Seems like she's younger. Yeah. Oh, every, oh, well. oh, everybody's age is inconsistent in this story. How old is Belladonna? <laughs> well, in that one issue, she looked 12. And then... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, um, are we moving on to grade set? Yeah, hey, uh, I mean honestly, um, I'll give my thoughts first. How's that sound? All right, go ahead. So, so this this arc, I mean, it did solve that subplot from issue twelve point one, not twelve, but twelve point one. Um, no, no, twelve was the good ooh. issue. <laughs> yeah, twelve is twelve is the good issue. Twelve point one is the ass issue. Um, I just ah oh, man, I get that we needed to wrap this up, but. It, Gerard brought this up, I think it was, it was in your analysis of the previous issue. To me, this, oh, this arc just totally, just, this is the problem with Scarlet Spider right now, especially the second year. It starts off with an idea, it picks up something from the previous year, and it just, 
it doesn't execute it well. The execution in this in this entire arc is the probably is some of the most sloppiest work thus far that we've covered. Is the some of the sloppiest work I've seen. Well, I mean, it's I, just very I, I mean, I joked about it giving the credits, but Yost literally just gave up on writing the story. He had somebody else finish it for him. Yeah. Or he was pressed for death. I mean, this this seems like it. it this seem this whole issue seemed like a pressed for deadline cluster. Yeah. And it really, I mean, that I, it just seemed like that the thing Yost fell behind, didn't want the sh- book to ship out late, and in keeping it, keeping the train coming on time, we got this, and it's just I, this is a D minus. I, I just. It's not some of the worst books. Um, the, the, this, the sad thing is, is, this isn't some of the worst books that we're going to see. I mean, after the sibling rivalry arc, there's you know the Craven arc, and then there's the final two issues. The final issue of this series, I'm just going to give you a preview of this. The final issue of this series was offensive to me. <laughs> Blatantly offensive. All right. Full disclosure. I have the, this is the these are the last three issues of this series that I read for for you listeners at home. So. If if I do appear in these next ones, it'll be fresh. So I have no idea what they're talking about right now, and I can only I'm, I have this horror show of, uh, in my imagination of what that last issue must look like based solely on what Zach says about it. I'm trying to, to imagine. I, I really I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm going to try to get Kevin on there because him and I both kind of raged over that issue. Mm-hmm. Did it have? Well, here's what I want to know. Did it have a Hickman ending? And by that I mean, does, does it just end with a page of text that tells you what happened? No. No, okay. no, no, no. Okay. Um, we talk about the production issues being a problem in this issue. It's <laughs> taken to an 11 on issue 25. And, as an insult to injury, they charge you an extra dollar. So. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, am, I am probably going to rip that issue a new one. It's just yeah. <laughs> or we're gonna bring we're gonna bring alcohol to the final issue. Oh, copious amounts of shots are gonna be taken with those last two issues. <sighs> well, I'm keep your supply away from me. I might need it to get through the next. <laughs> oh, we're coming next month. Next time. At this point, you, you, I mean, you guys have basically strong armed me into doing it because who else? <laughs> who, who else would willingly suffer as I do for your sins? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Excellent. hey, this this is this is our this is this is your we're you know strong arming you because you know we're we're trying to reward you with with doing a good pod uh, you know quote unquote good podcast with spectacular radio so now you have to you know hey we've we've suffered through a lot of crap <laughs> the joiner giveth but the joiner taketh away <laughs> exactly and then there's that other, then there's that other thing that we've been talking about doing there Gerard that you just need to shit or get off the pot. All right, so Greg, um, give us your thoughts about the final issue of this arc. I think, and what frustrates me the most, is that the better story was in there. I mean, I don't give a crap about the Red Death or the Assassin's Guild, but if you're going to use the Assassin's Guild and this story is going to be about Kingpin taking control of the Assassin's Guild, focus more on that. You don't need the Red Death for this. Wouldn't this story have been so much better if we saw Kane double dealing with Wolverine, Belladonna, and the Kingpin. If the Kingpin was actually present, <laughs> wouldn't this story yeah. have been better if it was the story it was supposed to be instead of turning into an X Men story at the end? Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I mean, there's uh, a reason I stopped reading the X Men books. I don't want the X Men books to then become the books that I'm, I'm currently reading. That's how I don't want my X Men books to take my Spider Man books. Hey, 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 Gerard, 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 Gerard. <laughs> Does anybody smell that? It smells like bacon. <laughs> Why is he not even in? Well, okay, he sounds yeah, he re- have been in. He sounds Matt Murdock to represent him. <laughs> I don't care about this arranger guy. Fisk should have been present. It should have been Kane double dealing. It should have been from his perspective. And you could have even had Wolverine in it. But you did not need to have the effing Red Death. <laughs> and honestly, I'm going to be straight. I'm going to be very upfront about this. The, the, she is. I mean, she is a character from past like '90s X-Men stories. But I couldn't be bothered to look up what her history was. <laughs> like she's a '90s X-Men character. That's all you need to know. Has that book ever? I guys know by now. I, I I tend to like to look up this stuff just to be sure because God knows the editors aren't going to help you out by like you know telling you what issues. But she told you her backstory in this issue. I mean, come on. No, she didn't. She gave some vague half explanation of one time you might you might casually remember me from such stories as <laughs> that time Cyclops shot me with a ray beam. <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> like, I don't know what what issue was that in? If this comic was from the nineteen seventies there would have been a, a an editor's note that told you what issue that was in so that I could have cross referenced that to find out what the story was about. Instead, you get a single panel of her being defeated by the X-Men wearing 90s costumes and nothing else. How am I supposed to <laughs> know what the hell they're talking about? Because, full disclosure, 90s X-Men was kind of a clusterfuck. I don't have a encyclopedic knowledge of what happened with it. Yes, it was. It was. And also, by the way, when I'm reading a Spider-Man spin-off book, I'm, I didn't expect that I was supposed to have encyclopedic knowledge of '90s X-Men stories. No, well, should I? I mean, my, I mean, that era of comics is one of the worst eras of all time. I mean, yes, One More Day might be the worst comic book story of all time, but you know, the second worst comic book story of all time is Onslaught. Just Onslaught. So I don't hey, need to be reminded. Oh no. That's right, because that's right, because the, <laughs> the Clone Saga crosses Although the Clone Saga crossovers with Onslaught are actually pretty good. That, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah that was okay. Uh, no, and the reason... In, in Onslaught had... Uh, the unintended consequence of uh, Onslaught was it delayed the original ending of the Clone Saga. Blood Brothers, this, that six-part storyline, was supposed to be the end of the Clone Saga. <laughs> supposed to be the end of the Clone Saga applies to pretty much every story after Power and Responsibility, doesn't it? Oh. It seems like you say that every single episode. <laughs> this was supposed to be the end of the Clone Saga, but then, <laughs> one day while getting out of the tub, Bob Harris stubbed his toe on some, some rubber ducky. Oh, okay, okay, there, there was, there was, there was, there was, what, I think probably four spots that were supposed to be the end of the Clone Saga. Uh, Grace, uh, Grace Responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, Blood Brothers. There's only three. Grace, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. Max on Clonage. Grace Responsibility. Uh, Blood Brothers. And then eventually Revelations. <sighs> In which Norman Osborn Wolverine his heart back to life. <laughs> <laughs> See, it makes sense for Wolverine, because healing is his power. 
No, Those this are... doesn't make sense for Wolverine, not to this extent. <laughs> his heart is You split. cut his heart in half! His heart is split in half. I'm almost imagining in my brain some sort of sick 80s horror movie thing where, like, his heart, <laughs> the halves of his heart are shooting out tentacles that are connecting each other back. <laughs> Resurrection. But, yeah, but, yeah, I just... I, I did not like this last part. And wasted Potential is, for me, it's the final sin because, I mean, I'm looking at this and I see the better story in there. I mean... I feel like, just give me a week with this script. Let me edit it for you and send you notes, Yost. I could have maybe salvaged this thing. I mean, you had a better story in there, but <laughs> but because this is wasted potential, I mean, it just, it pisses me off. The previous two did not piss me off. I kind of liked the first part. The second one, I didn't like, but it didn't piss me off. This one, I'm just getting, giving an F to. Uh, can I go next? Yes, go right ahead. I just want to jump right off what you said. I'm with you on this. I'm giving this one an F also. Because of the fact that... It's like he said. I mean, I I didn't particularly love the first one, but, you know, it's the best issue of the three because at least there's a story there, or the beginning of a story there. The story that started in issue... 17 is not the the same story that we ended up ending with in issue 19. Totally, it's it's as if it's as if Chris Yost was walking with the the script for the entire arc in his hands, like bundled up in his arms fresh off the the printer. And then a stiff wind came by and blew all the pages away. And he started chasing it down, but he only got enough to get about halfway through issue 18. And then he just had to really quickly come up with the rest of the story on his way up the elevator or whatever to hand it into his boss. Because the story completely changes halfway through, and it changes into a story that, I don't know about you guys, but I had certainly no interest in reading. Nope. Because it just turned into a 90s X-Men story. Yeah, it stopped being a love letter to the 90s and started being straight up like a clone of the 90s. But <laughs> You know I have a problem with some of the, the, the 90s-ness of this series. And yeah, I knew going into it that's what it was going to be. Because that's pretty. I mean, Yost practically that's, that's a given. Such, yeah. but I mean, he practically advertised as such. He's like, I love the '90s, which of course makes me, I love the '90s. <laughs> that just makes me question his judgment as a writer. I mean, if you want to see a love letter to the '90s done right, and Jardy might not enjoy this one, but um, the recent issue of Superior Team Up it showed an untold meeting between Octavius and Norman Osborn. That was a love letter to the '90s, right down to the artwork. I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, it's it, a very nice. It's a very. It was '90s, 90s but it was kind of charming in a way. This was just. Ugh. Yeah, you and, you would love the artwork on that there, Gerard, because it's Ron Friends and Sal Buscema. Wait a minute, Ron Friends and Sal Buscema did a Spider-Man story, and none of you lackwits told me about it. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a Superior Spider-Man story, so just warning. It's a team up, and it's a flashback. So you can ignore that stuff. Too late. I have the copper taste in my mouth. Time is <laughs> well. You can you can you can enjoy the artwork at least. No, it's too, late. too late. It's been ruined. Thank you. you could thank Zach for that. <laughs> hey, hey, big giant middle fingers. Okay. <laughs> okay, I can't find it right now. But, um, All right. But so seriously, the the issue itself it reminded me a lot of watching the end of Man of Steel for the first time, <laughs> where I thought where I thought for a second, okay, this is bad. But at least I have a grasp of like what humanity is, and and what my my what, the, what my role in in life itself is, and then the 
it just explodes into just an orgy of violence and death, and I have and, and I just left feeling as if I just got punched in the face several times by when I was viewing because I don't need that to happen in my fiction. Is King gonna make out with a uh, no with uh, Annabelle on top of a Holocaust? <laughs> the end. The end of the story is the Red Death just walking into a tornado. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know what? I'd rather read that than what we got. Me too. Uh, uh, so, okay, and I, I, my my final thoughts on this, just to kind of wrap things up. What's your what's your you gave it an F, right? Sure, I certainly did. Not after that review, what are they going to give it a C? Come on. Yeah. Um, just to wrap this up, okay, I have been one of those guys that has bitched and moaned and thrown a fit about late books, and I'm going to contradict myself. Because, damn, if this is the type of shit, and I'm not bleeping this out, if this is the type of shit that we're going to get just to keep the trains running on time, then I would much rather have a coherent story come out than a with a with a late book than a book that comes out on time but you can barely read it and you feel jeff that you paid two ninety nine for it. Zach, you know I, my feelings are very similar to yours on the subject of lateness and then generally how inexcusable it is, especially when you have rotating artists on these things. I completely agree with you. I'd much rather have just this has been delayed. Chris, it's not like it's not like, this is a, yeah. it's not like this is a civil war tie-in or something. Like, there's no reason it has to come out on time. Just kick it back a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it just really just uh, really annoyed me. I mean, that's why I gave it a D minus. I mean, it just there was there was a couple of cute scenes, but other than that, it just really and and look, there is one thing that even throughout all of this. Throughout all of this this entire arc, and this is one of my final final points. The characterization of Kane is great, yeah. But the characterization of Kane is overshadowed by the unnecessary crap that's put around Kane. It doesn't save the story. Well, sometimes sometimes characterization can save a story. Be like, damn, this story is not that good, but that characterization kicks ass. This is not one of those cases. But, but Zach, much like Minimum Carnage, as, as I said earlier, he stops being the driving force of the story. So what does his character matter anymore? Exactly. He's, just there. He's a spectator in an X-Men story by, the, by issue 19. In issue yeah, 17 it, it, and most of issue 18, he's the main character. By issue 19, he's no longer. He's just sitting there all over. And, that, and that's highly unfortunate. It's highly yeah. unfortunate. And this isn't. And, this is what the third time this has happened to a Kane story at this point. I mean, this isn't even something that happens in Superior Spider-Man. At least Dan Slott knows who to make the main character in his book. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think at this point, look, I, straight up, we've talked about it and we've talked about it, but I'll bring it up again. You had the the issue five that basically was the giant Avengers tie-in that was just the fluff story. You had Minimum Carnage, which was issue seven, uh, seven and nine, or excuse me, eight and nine of of the story. Um, you had this arc, which was basically a Wolverine arc that was masquerading as a Spider-Man, as a Scarlet Spider story. <clears throat> um, so there's there's what now six or seven issues out of, out of twenty five 
that doesn't have Kane being the main focus. It's Kane interacting with Dumbass 1 and Dumbass 2. Mm. It just... Uh, that, to me, is a, is, is a damn shame. Because, because this book had so much freaking promise. Five out of the first six issues were knocking it out of the park, and you fumbles the ball. I just it fumbled the ball. This is why Zach, I, this uh, is why I feel that if Yost had gotten too busy or had lost interest, he should have passed the book on to somebody else. But who? Uh, okay, but honestly, who would have written? Who who could have written Kane well enough? I just I don't bring I don't back see... Tom DeFalco. <laughs> That's my it? answer to everything. You don't want to do it? Give it to DeFalco. The could have yeah. But you know what, but Zach, that, that's what that brings up the ultimate question, and maybe you're the man to to pose this question to. If yeah. if the series, what when the series began to stray away from what it was supposed to be, which is a story about Kane adjusting to life as a superhero and to become a superhero in his own right, rather than having him put around in an X Men story like we just read. Do you think that's why the book ultimately lost sales and was canceled? Or do you think it was something else? Oh, I absolutely think that... Um, I think that... that yes. I, I think that because... I mean, because Eric Latham, I think he, he pretty much co-writes every single issue of Scarlet Spider from here on out, or has a hand in it. So I think the last six months of the book are written by... Or plotted by Yost, written by Latham. Latham, who's there? Oh, you mean uh, Burnham? You mean Burnham? I said Latham. God, what did I? Well, this is Eric Burnham. <laughs> oh my God! Um, Can you imagine if Liefeld was doing this. Then it would really be the nineties again. <laughs> yeah, but well, that's Burnham, over DC right now. Eric, oh, look, look, Eric Burnham. He did an admirable job coming in. You know he. Coming into a situation that probably wasn't most ideal, but you think he, I, I he just walked into a room with a shattered piggy bank and they gave him a, a, a tube of crazy glue and told him to fix it. <laughs> it, it just the really after the first year, it, the book fell off the rails, and it just seemed like to me that Yost got so busy working on Thor two, working on a. a, a you know, Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, which was the better-selling book, which obviously would be the, the book that you would want to work on uh, yeah. more than, than Scarlet Spider. I, in retrospect, if they had, if issue 12 had been the last issue of the series, I wouldn't have shed a tear, because it really ended on a high note. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, we oh, would have yeah. shed tears because it would have ended on a high note, and we would have said, oh, why didn't they make more? We love this book. Yeah, I mean, I mean... Thing is, is that the ninety percent of the subplots that have been that have been instituted in this book will be wrapped up by issue twenty five. But is it done in a way that's satisfying? No. Or did they just wrap it up because they looked at their watch and said, "Oh shit, we have five minutes before the school bell rings. We better, <laughs> we better well, scribble down the answers to this homework." And just we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it because obviously we'll have sibling rivalry and then we'll have into the depths and then we'll have the the finale. <clears throat> but we'll also have a new Warriors episode out between now and then. But Ugh. you're not going to make me read that, are you? Mm, I don't know yet. 
<laughs> the, uh, translation, he's been trying to rope someone else into doing it, and no one is stupid enough to take him up on it. <laughs> uh, I'm the only one reading New Warriors, I already know. So. <laughs> How are the sales numbers on that book? Uh, it's they, They're terrible. Uh, uh, and, and dude, uh, two words. Or, or Let me give you three phrases. Kane, High Evolutionary, New Warriors. <laughs> I like one of those words. <laughs> okay, okay. What was it? Three episodes ago? Four episodes ago? No, this would be four episodes ago. Jonathan's Rage episode? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. High Evolutionary. You know how I feel about the High Evolutionary. Mm-hmm. So you start a book with that character. <laughs> oh, I remember we were making fun of that at the time. Oh my god! We were god. like, "Why? What is this thinking? What are they thinking?" Um, oh. Anyway. Yeah, well, but let's no. be honest. It's not like this is surprising. We were we, we were taking bets on how quickly it would be, ca- not whether it would be canceled or how long it would run. We were taking bets on how quickly is this book going to be canceled. I gave it eight issues. What did I say? Ten? I think you said ten, and I think Josh said twelve. What are we at now? Everybody listening, this is the point where this podcast turns into a podcast as negative as Marvel always said Crawlspace was. Oh, or that's not getting And now, on the next episode of the Comic Cancellation Betters podcast... <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. You know what, hey, 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 hey. You know what? I, I think I, I think people are I think people are done listening to us gripe. So let's 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 wrap this episode up. Is this the point where Al Michaels starts at the end of a blowout starts talking about the betting line, and you can tell everyone in the NFL office just tugging their collars because they don't talking about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, we got several ways of reaching us. You got you got the iTunes reviews that we'll read on the show. You've got clonesagachronicles at gmail.com, that email. You've got the voicemail number, 818-925-6631. And, um, yeah, you can also be sure to be li- to listen to the three of us talk about the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon on spectac- the Spectacular radio show. We actually enjoyed uh, doing that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we have wonderful Jesse Garrett, we should mention. Oh, yeah, we can't we can't forget Jesse Garrett. Nope. Who, we got uh, him on one of these episodes. Uh, definitely, definitely. All right, we're going to wrap the show up right about there. Next episode, we're actually going to be doing something a little different, and I'm really excited to announce this uh, next episode because it's going to be something that's kind of offbeat and a little weird and a little different. Well, we've done that occasionally. We did that with uh, episode 19 with Kevin. And uh, one of these... Uh, let me kind of explain the backstory. Back in 2008, myself and Kevin Cushing on the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast... Uh, had a debate about Spider-Girl. And in that debate, well, he kicked my butt. And ever since then, I have vowed revenge. <laughs> well, uh, Kevin actually approached me a couple months ago to, to discuss um, Spider-Girl on uh, and the other Spider-Girl, Aranya. So uh, we're going to have our bit of, bit of a role reversal. I'm going to be the anti-Spider-Girl, and he's going to be the pro-Spider-Girl. And uh, we're going to have that moderated by a person that used to go by the name of Spider-Girl on the Spider-Man Crawl Space message board, Miss Stella. So, uh, Stella's from the Batman to Oracle, excuse me, Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Uh, and I'm really, really excited to have her on and Kevin on to have a debate between myself and Kevin. So, uh, that'll be next episode. 
Uh, of course, check out Spectacular Radio uh, Episode 4. It'll be being released the same day as this one, so go check that out after you get done listening to this episode. So, uh, really excited to have Jesse and Greg to talk about uh, the Lizard uh, episode. So, um, okay. So, kind of give you a brief rundown. Originally, we were going to do Return of Spider-Man. We'll be doing that probably next month. But uh, first, the following episode of CSC, well, it will be a another special episode. It's going to be a episode It's going to be released on our feed. It's going to be a commentary of the very first episode of the Spider-Man animated series. Because, quite frankly, this show is not just a show about the Clone Saga. It's a love letter to the, to the 90s. So, uh, in celebration of the 20th anniversary of the show, we are going to be launching a series of commentaries hosted by Don. And, uh, so yeah, we'll see... So that's kind of a rundown of our next few episodes. We appreciate everybody for listening, and we will see you next time here on Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast, a spidey-dude.com production.